And we pray that everyone that is here this morning, that you would bless them. Those that are not here, Lord, we ask that you would help our spirits to be connected through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord. That even though we're not in the same building or in the same place, but we are connected by the Spirit of the living God. Make it so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Each of us shares uh, in an opportunity this morning, and that opportunity is to help us promote the message of the gospel, to help us to promote the good news of Jesus and new life. By liking this morning, you can help get the word out, get the message out. By sharing, you can make sure that someone else hears us this morning. And you never know what this word what these scriptures might mean and do for them today. And so we pray that you will share, that you will like, and, and please comment. If you're, if you're able to, just say hello. We'd like to see who's with us. We try to take a little count each week. If you do not uh, comment, we may not even know that you're tuning in. And we like to know who's tuning in. We like to know who's joined us, both here and online. So we thank you and we pray that God would bless you this morning as we go to his holy word and talk about what Jesus taught us from his scriptures, from the word. This week as I was meditating and as I was thinking about life about my faith, my walk with Christ, my interaction with others. Observing and looking around at things around me, I could see a little clearer and was reinforced in my belief that everyone influences someone. That everyone touches somebody by their life. <clears throat> Excuse me. We touch others by our life, good or bad. We either make an impact on them positively or negatively. And so I believe it's important that we think about that. And I believe that it's important that we take it even a step further and think about our children. Think about our grandchildren. What effect we have on them, what effect our lives will have on them, even in the future. Believe it or not, believe it or not, even though my grandparents are with Jesus, I still think of them. I still think of their life, I still think of what happened to them. I still think of the things that they went through, the struggles they dealt with. I still think of, of how they interacted with me. Because of my father leaving Pennsylvania after 
not, not long after I was born. I don't have a long life history of interacting with my family, my grandparents and my aunts and uncles. I don't have a long history of that. But I have good memories of, of the few times that we did get to spend with them. I remember one time sitting on the couch. My grandparents lived in a storefront. <clears throat> this store had closed. All, in fact, all the stores on that street had closed. And so these houses were then converted into apartments or, or residences. My grandparents didn't even have a bathroom like we do. They had a toilet and a sink. My grandmother and grandfather took their baths in a sink. It was nothing to me as a child, you know, I didn't think that was a big deal. But looking back on it, I cannot imagine that in their 50s and 60s, these two people could not take a bath. Not the way we do. Going and getting in a shower and bathing. They just stood at the sink and washed off every day. And looking back on them and realizing that, I am confident of how strong they were and how determined they were to make their lives the best they could be. When you think of little children, children are great. They're awesome. In fact, I read a story this week about a little boy. It reminded me of my time as a little boy. I had this same conversation, somewhat anyway. Not, not the last part, but I had some of the conversation. The little boy called downstairs and said, Dad, I'm thirsty. Can I have a glass of water? And the dad said, you've already had enough water. Go back to sleep. But Dad, I'm thirsty. Can I have a glass of water, please? I need a glass of water, please, Dad. No. It's time for sleep. But Dad, I'm, I'm really, really, really thirsty. Can I get something to drink, Dad? No, said the father. And if you keep this up, I will come upstairs and I will give you a spanking. There was a long silence. And after a few minutes, the little boy said, Dad, when you come to spank me, can you bring a glass of water? Children are persistent. And they can, they can say things that are really funny. In fact, we should write them down. Maybe even make a, a book out of all the things that they actually say. These things are taken from letters that children wrote. Dear God, I went to a wedding and these two people kissed in church. Is that okay? Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love everybody in the whole world. There's only four people in my family and I can't do it. <laughs> Dear God, if you watch me on Sunday at church, I'll be wearing my new shoes. Dear God, if you come back, no, dear God, if you let me come back as somebody else, Please make sure it's not Jennifer. I don't like her. 
Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp, like Aladdin had, I will give you everything except my money and my chocolate. Dear God, I think I know why Cain and Abel killed each other. They didn't have their own rooms. It worked pretty good for me and my brother. During the time of Jesus, Jesus taught us some lessons about children because you see, during Jesus' time, children were not important. Children were not looked upon as being valuable. They were told to be quiet, get out of the way. They were told to not interrupt. In fact, children were thrown away, given away, tossed away. And, and today when I see that, you know, sometimes I'll see in the news where a child was abandoned or found in a dumpster. I think to myself, are we in the same exact mindset that, that people were during Jesus' time? That they didn't see children as being valuable or important. Sometimes we think children are messy. We think they're a bother. They're noisy. They interfere. They, they stop us from enjoying what we want to do. We are like those people during Jesus' time. When we are rude to children. When we don't value them and when we think that they don't understand. They're too young. They, they can't conceive this. They can't understand this. You know, I gave a thought the other day to my own life and why I have such a strong belief in God and why I have such a, 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 a library of memories of church and of spiritual things. And it was because I was in church a whole lot. And so all of that got down into my subconsciousness during the times when I was young, during the time when I was little. The gospel records three times when Jesus has conversations about children. He talks about how people treat them on two occasions when Jesus was getting ready to feed the people, he turned to a child. He didn't have to go looking for a child. He didn't have to wonder where the child were. The children were right near him. It should tell us something about Jesus. That children enjoyed being with Jesus. That children liked being with Jesus. That they sought to be near Jesus. Because Jesus taught uh, Jesus treated children the way they were supposed to be treated, as important, as valuable. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 13, let the children come. Let them come. Allow them to come right to me. People brought children to Jesus. Not only their parents, people. 
Meaning that even though they may not be family, they, they, they saw the importance of children connecting with Jesus. And they wanted to get him or get them near him. The disciples Jesus rebuked. And the word rebuke in scripture means uh, seriously told them to be quiet. And why did he do that? Because he saw them as trying to interfere with children coming to know him and coming to get near him. Verse 14 says, Jesus was indignant with the disciples. It's a strong word. It means that he was grieved, that his spirit was troubled that they would even do this. Here's why I believe Jesus was grieved. If you look at your entire lifetime and bring it down to the amount of time that you have with your children where you actually influence their lives, it's a very small part. And Jesus knew this and he was grieved with the disciples because he understood that you guys are trying to interfere with this small part that I have. Because after that is over with, they either have gotten it or they haven't. When I go to prison, I would always ask how many in here had an absent father. And almost all of them will tell me how they did not have a father during those critical times in their life. They didn't have a dad to even tell them they couldn't have a drink of water. They didn't have it. Barney has done a study, and in that study he has said that if a child does not accept Jesus Christ by the age of 14, the likelihood of him accepting Christ later continues to diminish year after year after year. In fact, he says that you have an 80% likelihood of never accepting Christ if you do not do it before 14. That's why Jesus is saying this is a critical part of a person's life. If they don't come to Jesus, when you go and look at missionary work, almost all missionary work is with children. Why? Because adults are set in their ways. They're setting their minds. They're setting their thinking. And not much else can influence that or change that. But if you can get the children and get them early, just look at our church in Cambodia. We are literally raising future leaders and future Christians. Our missionary there has read it, wrote an entire catechism just for kids. And when Glenn Burris, our president, was traveling in Asia and had a problem with his body and needed a doctor, they brought one of the specialists to, to, to uh, minister to Glenn Burris, and later Glenn found that he was a child that had been raised in the Foursquare Orphanage. So not only do we raise great Christians, <laughs> but we great, raise great human beings too. Children are more likely than any other age to come to Jesus. 
children have their whole lives to live for Jesus if they come to Jesus early and to make a difference. Children can understand the gospel, so don't, don't kid yourself that they don't get it. They know what sin is. They know what good is. They know what bad is. They understand more than you think they do. And Jesus said, never hinder a child. Never get in their way. Always seek to learn from Jesus because Jesus is the best teacher. Jesus said, if you want to influence people, become like a little child. Because little children do life better. Yeah, they fight and they argue, but they forgive quick too. <laughs> they love. They don't hold grudges. They do life better. Love like children on purpose. Jesus, when he saw a child, the Bible says he bent down and picked him up. Why? Why would Jesus bend down and pick him up? Because bending down and picking him up shows they have value. That they are important. One of my grandchildren the other day asked me, said, Papa, if you could go back and live some of your life over, what would you do differently? And I said, well, that's too hard to explain simply, but I would spend more time with my children. That's what I would do. I would spend more time connecting with them, relating with them, loving them, caring for them. You see, we get so busy in life and we think that, hey, I got to make this amount of money. I got to I got to get this uh, car. I got to get this house. I got to get this boat. I got to get this, 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 this. And life goes on around us and we just miss it. So if I had to do it all over again, there'd be a lot of things I would do differently. It takes a family to give children the grace that they need. We need to teach the young people that true love waits. You can argue about it all you want, but life is better when people wait on God for their mate. You can say any way you want to do that. You know, some people might say this doesn't work and that doesn't work, but I do know this, waiting on God works. And it works best. We need to teach that motherhood is noble. Having children is noble. We need to teach that a motherhood is a calling. And it's valuable. We need to teach that fatherhood is important. That that time spent with a child can never get back. And so if you invest in that child, you invest in not only their future, but in the future of the whole world. And that investment is worth all the riches you can get from money or fame or possessions. The church, all we can really do is reinforce what is taught at home. A lot of times things are undone by parents. I remember a story of two little kids that were dropped off at church 
And while they were there, they were told <clears throat> how you're supposed to love husbands and love wives and everything. And when those children got home that afternoon, the, the mother told them that their dad was leaving and getting a divorce. And the two children looked at each other and said, maybe he needs to go to church. Because they had just heard about how you should love one another, no matter what. And that you tr should try to work out problems. They understood that maybe dad needed church. It takes a lot of time, too. We can't, we can't pretend that it's not time-consuming and it's not costly. Raising children is a full-time job. It takes a block of energy and effort to do it. Parents are the primary teachers. Children, I mean, church can only reinforce what is taught at home. We cannot be the sole teacher. Children will learn primarily from their parents. And God's word says that parents are supposed to be the primary teachers. Somebody asked me why did I homeschool my children? Well, <clears throat> whether I was right or wrong, the one thing I knew and the one thing I understood was that it was not the state's responsibility to teach my children and raise them for God. It was my job. I may have not done the best job, but that's what, that was what I was trying to do. That was my purpose. Bodie Bachman, one of the best theologians in, in America, said, you can't send your children to Caesar to be trained and not expect to get back a Roman. It's going to happen. And so it's important that we understand that the church can only do so much. Parents are supposed to teach that there is only one God and that God is important. And they do that by their love. They do that by their sacrifice. One day in England, there was a man who was announcing the death of Princess Alice to the House of Commons. And he told the touching story. The daughter of the princess was seriously ill with diphtheria. The doctor told the princess, do not get too close to your daughter, and especially do not kiss her, because in her breath could be the diphtheria, and it could harm you. Later, as the mother was holding the child and trying to follow what the doctors had advised her, she forgot herself for a few minutes. The child was choking and having a hard time breathing, rasping and struggling for life. The child looked up at her mother and said, Mother, please give me a kiss. The mother reached over and kissed her daughter and died three days later. Only love, only love can do that. Love that sees beyond the moment and sees the value of the future. 
Jesus said in Matthew 18, Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus brought a little child and sat it on his lap and said, Except you become converted and be like a little child, you will never see the kingdom. And then he went on to say that if you offend one of these little ones, it would be better for you to be have a millstone tied around your neck and you'd be cast into the sea. Do you know that when you sin in front of your children, according to this, Jesus says it's a double sin? It's worse sin because you could have caused that child to stumble and that child to fail. In closing, I want to read you this last little story. This mother was preparing to have a whole lot of guests over. She wanted to impress all of her friends and all of her neighbors. She had prepared all week all the food, dealt with all the hassles and all the difficulties. And then all of her guests arrived. They all got around the table and got in their seats. And when they sat down, the mother turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, Would you please say the blessing? She said, But Mama, I don't really know what to say. She said, Just say everything that you hear me say. She said, Okay. Oh, dear Lord, why did I have to invite all these people? Remember that they hear everything. And they remember everything. And we either set an example for them or we fail. I encourage you, even though you may make some mistakes and I did too and I did a lot but I pray that you will reconnect with the importance of children and your role as a parent and do them well Lord we ask you to help us Lord as we serve you as we raise the future generations of Christians as we teach our children our faith Lord help us to value them to not see them as a bother and to not always be shutting them up but to encourage them to be what you have designed them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray you have a blessed week. God be with you. Go with God and love one another. In Jesus' name. <coughs>